Greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast is brought to us by our friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. The USCCA is about something bigger than the right to bear arms. It is a resource to help you be ready for the before, during, and after of a self-defense incident. If you're not one of the 500,000-plus responsibly armed Americans who are proud USCCA members, then now is the time to explore USCCA membership. Click Learn More below right now to learn about the life-saving education, industry-leading training, and self-defense liability insurance. Click Learn More right now. And just as a reminder, the USCCA is not an insurance company. Policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. And also, I just want to remind each and every one of you that we're in the month of October and we're accepting the nominations for the Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk. If you know a pastor out there that is living up to the exhortions of Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, please send them to tomahawk at abwshow.com. That's tomahawk at abwshow.com. We want to recognize and elevate those courageous pastors that are standing on the word of God, the word of truth, and they're preaching what has to be preached in season and out. So again, your nominations for the Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk that you see there, it goes to tomahawk at abwshow.com. Well, folks, by the time you see this episode of the Steadfast and Law podcast, we will be within a two-week window of a critical midterm election cycle. And I know some of you folks say, don't go out and early vote. I already went out and voted early so that I can get out and about and I can go to other polling locations maybe and be those eyes to see if there's any nefarious activities that are going on. But I was very proud to cast my ballots here in Dallas County. And when I look at these midterm election cycles, you know, when when people say, this is the most important election cycle or this is the most important election cycle, I think everybody across the United States of America realizes how important this election cycle is. And when you think about this midterm election cycle, it is not about what is just about to happen in the next two weeks. It's not about the six months leading up to it. It's about what happened a year ago. And I think that got us on the road to this midterm election cycle. Because it was a year ago in October, late September, October, when Terry McAuliffe, who was the Democrat nominee for governor in Virginia, because remember, Virginia has off-year elections there for their statewide offices. 
When he on that debate stage said that, you know, I paraphrase, parents do not have a right to know or decide what their children are being taught. That gave you a mindset, I mean, a clear vision into the mindset of the progressive socialists, the Marxists. And if you read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, one of the planks there by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels was the state control of education. See, the left, they're so emboldened. They just came right out and said, your kids aren't yours. They're ours. They have always believed that. And one of the things that they always tried to take over here in the United States of America was our system of education, which used to be a gold standard in the world. But now, I mean, look at what has just recently come out, some of these reports, all of the failing grades for education here. We've got fourth and fifth graders not reading, not doing math at grade level. But they can tell you all about gender dysphoria and LGBTQ and all this other stuff that is going on in public schools. Why? Because the left believes that they're their children. They're not yours. And they want to be able to indoctrinate their, the children. And so what happened a year ago set in motion, I think, where we are today because so many of the issues normally in a midterm election cycle where it's not that person at the head of the ticket in a presidential election cycle where everyone's focused on it. A midterm election cycle is really an issues-based election cycle. Now, sure, you've got some personalities that are out there right now running for governor in certain places, running for Senate in certain places. But truthfully, midterms are about issues. And so last year, education became an issue. All of a sudden, coming out of COVID, parents start to realize that my kid's not being properly taught. As a matter of fact, what is this nonsense that is being poured into their brains? And they spoke out about it. And then they come to find out that the governor, uh, the nominee for governor there in Virginia, Democrat nominee, Terry McAuliffe, said what the left believes. You don't have a right to stand up and, and say anything about your child. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you don't have any parental rights, individual rights whatsoever. And that's the essence of socialism, Marxism, statism, communism. And it became clearly in front of all of our faces. And then when all of a sudden parents are showing up for school board meetings, parents never showed up school board meetings. When was the last time you heard about parents showing up for school board meetings in mass, like you started seeing a year ago? And the left was like, oh, no, we're not, we're not having any of this. So the National Association for School Boards, let me say, the National Association of School Boards decides that they don't like it, and they write a letter to the Attorney General of the United States of America. Say, stop it. And what does Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States of America, say? We're going to demonize, castigate parents who are showing up at school board meetings as domestic terrorists. So in other words, they fully explained that, that they don't believe that you have a right and standing up and speaking about what your child is being indoctrinated in. They think it's teaching. We know it's indoctrinating. And so the difference about this midterm election cycle is that education is a critical issue, especially when you look at all of the perversions that are going on out there with our children. The fact that we now have a president of the United States of America who just recently admitted on some live podcast or whatever that, yeah, I'm all for child gender mutilation surgeries because that's what it is. When you start whacking off healthy body parts of our kids, you're mutilating their bodies. 
Don't tell me about modification surgery. No, you're mutilating their bodies. And the president of the United States of America is for that. See, the left did not understand. They did not realize that this is a critical issue. This is a kitchen table issue. This is an issue that is not about R&D. It's about right and wrong. It's about parents. It's about you coming into their homes and taking their kids away from them, telling their kids, you don't have to be a little boy. You can be a little girl. You don't have to be a little girl. You can be a little boy, like what we see happening right here in Dallas County. We've well, got a judge that just decided that a 10-year-old boy, because his mom wants him to be a girl, this 10-year-old boy can be taken against the father's wishes to California to get this mutilation surgery done. That's why this election cycle, this midterm, is so important and so critical because of these kitchen table issues, these things that are in the forefront, in the faces of the American people like never before. You know, you think about in, in one short year, well, two short years, maybe a year and a half. I mean, inflation, and, and Nancy Pelosi says we just got to change the subject if people want to talk about inflation. But inflation was 1.4% when the Democrats came into power in the White House and the House and the Senate. And now it's hovering anywhere from 85 83 to 9.1% inflation, gas prices skyrocketing food commodity prices skyrocketing those are things that are affecting people in their homes this is not about sitting around explaining people the difference between uh baseline budgeting and zero based budgeting this is not about them understanding you know intricacies of foreign policy or any of these other things this is a big deal and when the left thought that back in the summer when the Supreme Court constitutionally made the right decision, that this whole thing about murdering unborn babies in the womb, that's not a federal government jurisdiction. The Supreme Court cannot create a right. The Supreme Court doesn't make law. Show me where they can in Article 3 of the Constitution. They can't. They, they created the right to privacy to say that a woman can murder an unborn baby in privacy. No. That goes back down to the states. And the left thought they had a winning issue. Now, look at how the left is struggling to try to make the issue of murdering unborn babies in the womb relevant to today. Yes, Stacey Abrams, who was running for governor in my birth state of Georgia, come out and say that abortion, murdering unborn babies in the womb, is an economic issue. So we have relegated children, unborn children in the womb to a budget line. Because... You know, if you're really struggling with gas prices and, and, and food commodity prices and everything, don't have a kid. Just kill the kid and save money. That's their mentality. So even if your child is born, the child is not yours. They get to decide what that child is and how that child should be indoctrinated. And when the child is in the womb, they still want you to eradicate the child. This now has become a very big issue. And they're losing on that issue because it's an issue of values. It's an issue of faith. And when you're talking about murdering unborn babies in the womb all the way up to the point of being born, that's infanticide. When you're talking about like California, Maryland, about even after a child's born, you can just leave it to die, which is, is exactly what 
the governor of Virginia, prior Ralph Northam, said not too long ago. So these issues are creeping in, and, and, and that's why this is a completely different, because this is about the soul of a nation. This is about really how we're going to live our lives. I mean, we just came through a cycle where people told us that we had no ability to make a decision about our own bodies when it comes to being injected with an, a, an unapproved vaccine. Well, it's not really a vaccine. It's just a shot, just a jab in the arm, because the vaccine is used to eradicate a disease. It's just a shot, and this is just a virus. And, oh, by the way, don't you find it really interesting that just a week or so ago, 15 unelected bureaucrats for the Center for Disease Control Advisory Board comes out and says that we're adding the COVID shot to the shot record requirement for all children in the United States of America. And if you don't get the shot, you don't get to go to school. 15 unelected people. We all know who they are. They can hide in anonymity. And then less than a week from that, the CDC director, Rachel Walensky, she's quarantined with COVID. The same person that told us that the COVID shot prevents you from getting it. The same person whose advisory board just said every kid in America has to get as young as six months or else they don't get a chance to go to school the school where they're going to be indoctrinated, not taught. And now she is laying up home after having, I don't know, five, six boosters after the original shot. Because this thing is not about ending or stopping a virus. Maybe it can reduce the symptoms that you get. That's fine. But shouldn't we be able to make those decisions for ourselves? Shouldn't we be able to decide if we want to take ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, nebulizer treatments, get on protocols like zinc, vitamin D3? No, because they are the ones, they being the folks up there in these bureaucracies and and these people in the government, these progressive socialists, these Marxists, they're going to be the ones that are telling you every aspect of your life. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. amazing to me but yet that's why this election cycle is so important now because people just like those parents in Virginia who really probably never cared about politics they probably never knew who their school board members were they didn't know who their state representative was or who their state senator was or maybe few of them knew who the governor was definitely not lieutenant governor maybe attorney general or the state treasurer but all of a sudden Someone steps on the stage and says, you don't have a right to decide what your child is being taught. Then they got engaged. And they have continued to be engaged because the left didn't get the memo. When they got trounced in Virginia, you would have thought that they would have gone back to the drawing board and said, this didn't work out well. We should not be going after people's children. They double and triple down. 
As a matter of fact, they start saying that all those folks that came out to vote in Virginia a year ago, they're just a bunch of racists. <laughs> now, understand this. The lieutenant governor that was elected in Virginia, a black female, former Marine. The attorney general that was elected, a Hispanic male. But see, that's the fallback. If you don't allow us to do what we want, then you're a racist. Or some other homophobe, transphobe, something phobe. We don't have a fear of any of these things. We just don't want you to ram it down our throats. So without a doubt, I think in the next two weeks, you're going to see an incredible trouncing of the progressive socialists in this election cycle. Just the same as we saw a year ago in Virginia. But the point is, when that happens, when you wake up on November the 9th, or as you see the polls close and you get the results on the evening of November the 8th, what are you going to do next? See, in the military, they teach you that after you have a successful attack, remember you only went on offense, not on defense, but after you have a successful attack and you own the ground, you own the terrain, you got to prepare for the counterattack. You got to consolidate, you got to reorganize on the objective and prepare. It's kind of like that, uh, what was that, the, the, the sequel back in the day with Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back? Because they're not going anywhere. They're not going to change. They still believe that they're absolutely right on all of these things. You just don't get it. You just don't understand it. You're just a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe, or whatever we can come up with next. Xenophobe, if you want to close the borders. And see, all of these things are coming together because they're affecting everyday Americans now. The fentanyl crisis, the human trafficking crisis, the sex trafficking crisis, the crime that is going on. You want to know how bad the issue of crime is for the Democrats right now? Al Sharpton. Yeah, old Reverend Al, who ain't really ever been a good friend of the police and law enforcement. Reverend Al has come out and said Democrats got to do something about crime. All of these things are coming to a head. But let me tell you what, no matter how bad they get beat, they're not going to admit defeat. They're not going to admit that they were wrong. So what must you do? Because the Democrats, if they go into a minority, they're still going to be tenacious. When they're a majority, they're tyrannical. So you got to continue to put the pressure on. So this is what I want to encourage everyone to do. First and foremost, the Republicans, I don't want to see them be the dog that caught the car. You know that saying? Or I remember in the uh, the Batman, I think it was the Dark Knight Rises when Heath uh, Ledger was playing the Joker. And he uh, you know, said, do I look like a man with a plan? Oh, they need to have a plan. They need to have something that is executable. They need to be able to lay down the, the legislation that they're going to immediately enact in those first 100 days. Instead of just coming out with this principal thing about we have a commitment to America. It's a lot of pages. Just give us 10 things that you're going to knock out immediately within the first 100 days, maybe the first 200 days, and link it to the piece of legislation. Maybe we can read that. And don't give us two, 300 pages of legislation. Just make it very short and simple. It shouldn't be over 20 pages. As a matter of fact, we should start judging everything that is done up in Washington, D.C. based upon that. This here is the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution, our rule of law. Been around for, what, 235 to 246 years, and that's how thick it is. I can carry it around with me. So why does legislation have to be that big? 
Start making sure that the everyday common American can understand what you're doing. That's one of the key things that has to happen. And here in our states, like the state of Texas, we got legislative priorities because the Republicans are going to still be in charge, but the legislative priorities need to be done. We should not be begging the Republicans that we got elected to pass the legislative priorities of the party they say they're part of. But that consistently continues to happen. And when that consistently continues to happen, then you depress the energy of your base and then they say, well, why should we vote for you next time? See, I think this, again, is a critical moment where people are going to say, much the same as Tulsa Gabbard said, Democrat parties, they're crazy. They're a bunch of Marxist socialists. I don't want anything to do with them. There are a lot of people that are saying that. But people are looking for who is going to give the answer to the issues that we're facing. Who is going to stand up on the rule of law? Who's going to make sure there are consequences for people doing wrong? Who's going to make sure that there are ramifications out there if you don't follow the rule of law? And that's where Republicans can win or lose the future. See, a good, smart leader, you just don't think about the 25-meter target. You think about the battles coming up. And that's what I'm looking at. So now is a critical time that you've got to try to defeat the progressive socialist Marxist left. Don't worry about what the New York Times writes. And as a matter of fact, Joe Biden is already trying to set the Republicans up, saying that if Republicans get in control, the, the economy is going to crash and all these things. Why? Because he knows what's going to happen based upon the policies that he has implemented. We're in a recession right now. I think it's going to get worse. But what they're going to do is try to say, see, we told you if you voted for those Republicans, look at what is happening. So go in there and be bold. Be emboldened. If you get this strong majority, if you get the American people to come out and say, we reject this like they did in Virginia a year ago, then you got to follow it up and you got to make it happen. And then the other thing that we have to do is we cannot continue to do the peak and valley thing. What do I mean by the peak and valley thing? We ramp up, we go to a peak for an election cycle, and then we just fall off the face of the earth and we go down to the valley. You have to have a steady state. You have to continue on to, to engage because why? The left is not going to go away. They're not going to go down to a valley. They're not going to concede defeat. They're just going to call you more a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe, a xenophobe, and all these things. You just didn't understand what we were trying to do. So maybe we need to explain it to you a little bit harder, a little more. That's what's going to be the headlines they come from the New York Times, Washington Post, and all these other major leftist-controlled newspapers. They're not going to say Democrats screwed this up. In secret, they will be saying that, but they're not going to say that in public. And so, therefore, what we have to do is we've got to go out there and continue on. I want you to put a lot of emphasis on the city council races, those off-cycle races. I want you to continue to put the emphasis on the school board elections. I want you to put the emphasis on the county-level elections. You know, one of the key elections that's happening here in Dallas County, two of them, district attorney and county judge. Now, for those of you who are watching this podcast and you don't live in Texas, the county judge is not someone that dresses in a black robe and sits in, you know, oversees a, a courtroom. Basically, they're the county mayor. They're the head of the county commission. Very powerful position. 
And when you look at Dallas County, where I reside, we got some issues there. I mean, the county judge, uh, Clay Jenkins in Dallas County, went absolutely, you know what, crazy during the COVID thing with all these shutdowns. Remember, this is where we had Shelly Luther, who's put in jail because she stood up and defied an unconstitutional mandate telling her that she was not essential. Who in government has the right to decide who and what's essential? Liberty is essential. And then you think about the district attorney that we have over there, John Crusoe in Dallas County, another one of the George Soros-backed district attorneys. Yes, we've got George Soros-backed district attorneys in Texas here and, and then in Harris County, which is Houston, and Travis County and Bear County, which is San Antonio. But we just recently had a gangbanger who was in jail. They allowed this gangbanger to come out of jail because his girlfriend had just given birth. And they say he could go visit his girlfriend and the newborn. And what did he do? He got a gun. He went to the hospital. And he beat her in the bed. He shot two nurses. Now, who comes up with a stupid freaking idea that you're going to let a gangbanger, a guy with a violent criminal history, out of jail to go visit his girlfriend who just had a baby without any police escort or anything? See, this is what is happening in here in Texas, in Dallas County. It's not about what we see in New York where some guy gets knocked over into the subway and Alvin Bragg, the DA up there, is happening in a place like Texas. We got to focus on these races because it was back in 2018 when George Soros came in and wiped out all these district attorneys and 56 judicial positions. We got to start winning back those positions. We got to start paying attention to judicial races in our respective states, whether it is an elected position. See, I don't want you to ramp up and then you say, Whew, so glad this is over. We don't have to do it again for two years. No, you got to continue to stay engaged. Now, okay, I'll give you 48 hours. I'll give you a little R&R time. Man, you know, okay, I'll extend it over the weekend. But I don't want to see you ramp down. I don't want to see you power down. I want you to stay engaged, stay involved. Because the minute that you don't, you create a gap and you're going to be exploited. And that's why this midterm election cycle is so critical. That's why when you say it's the most important election in my lifetime, I'm 61. That's not hyperbole. Because it's about two very distinct and different paths that this country, our states, our local municipalities can take. And the pressure has to continue to be maintained. Because if it's not then that which will never admit defeat will once again rise. So get out and vote. And to those of you in the Christian community, how can you fall for this? Especially pastors. I mean, how can you side with people that want to dismember babies in the womb. I mean, if you're saying you're Christian, I mean, 
Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says it all. Psalms 127, I believe, verses 3 through 5, talks about how children are gift from God. Blessed be the man that has many of them. It's like arrows in his quiver. I don't get it. How can you sit around and allow people to mutilate our children? They're your children. And they're a gift from God. And God didn't make a mistake when Alan was born Alan, not Aline. So why are we allowing people to try to reverse what God has done? So the Christian community's got to step up. You've got to vote your values. Because just recently, Robert Francis O'Rourke, you know, the guy running for governor here in Texas, one of the biggest mega churches, black mega churches here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he was just traipsing all up and through there. And why would you allow that darkness to come into the house of light? Pastor T.D. Jakes at the Potter's House. And it's happening in many other churches. Why would anyone allow a person like Stacey Abrams into their church who is basically saying to children are just an economic issue, just a number. Get rid of them. Therefore, you can afford gas and food and everything. Why would we allow that darkness into the house of light? That's why this is a critical election cycle. Because it is, as it says in Isaiah, woe be unto those who will call good evil, evil good, light darkness, darkness light, sweet for bitter, bitter for sweet. Steadfast and more. Before they burn it down.